Welcome to Imperfect Allies. My name is Chris. And I'm Richie. And we're here to talk to each other about what it's like to be white and what it's like to be black in America. Our goal is to have a candid conversation about race and how it impacts and intersects our daily life, as well as our country. The episodes offered here are based around real, candid conversations that Chris and I have that are available if you support the show. From those conversations, we take a deep dive into topics that we discover to better empathize and understand ourselves and our American culture. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe and reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Allies Imperfect. Well, let's start the show. Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to Imperfect Allies. We are here. I am very excited about this. I got my boy Chris. Hey, Chris, Chris, I'm here. (laughs) Some fell over, but we're going to take care of it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. No, you're good, man. You're good. Chris, you want to introduce our guest for tonight? Yeah, so. I have have an old dog and he's just been a mess right now. (laughs) So our guest is Eris' dog. Uh, <laughs> no, we got my boy Eris on. Um, Eris and I go way back from high school, and this guy is uh, one uh, badass. First off, so don't cross him. Uh, but he's also respectful, so uh, you know he might give you some slack. Um, he, I guess, maybe identifies as a Hispanic conservative. I think that's what we heard. I don't know. Um, but we'll dig into it and we just want to have open dialogue with people from different walks of life with different opinions. And so that's why we brought my boy Eris here. Uh, introduce yourself, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm Eris. Uh, no, I'm from Dallas. Uh, you know, uh, MMA fighter. <laughs> oh, nice. What's uh, what gym do you work out at, man? Uh, I train actually was, I got really got blessed, but I trained at a gym, uh, here in Richardson, actually, uh, on a warrior MMA. Yeah, I've uh, been with those guys for about eight years now. That's awesome, eight man. years. That's and I remember when you first started fighting, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that makes sense." <laughs> but it's just <laughs> what what is that lifestyle like? Because I I'm a very passive person. If I am being frank, and so it's just being in a world like that. What is what are the people like? What is the family like? Well. When I first started, um, it honestly started. You know, I was done with I was done with uh, with high school sports, and uh, and I was like, well, I don't want to go to a to a big school. I don't, I don't, so I'm like, I'm gonna stay in community college. So mm-hmm. I want to stay in shape. So I figured, you know what? Let's let's. I, I used to box during the summers. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> so it's like I used to box. So I'm like during the summers. Uh, so I'm like, you know, let me get back into that. Just stay in shape. And then uh, I was just like, you know, I also wrestle. Let's might as well just do something new. So then I, you know, I walked into my my first MMA gym, was the, which was Fuller's MMA. I trained there for a year. Uh, I learned uh, I learned from Ryan Benoit. He's actually a fighter in the UFC right now. Wow. Uh, learned from him for my first year, and it was cool. I was there for a year. Then the gym is just something happened. Uh, gym was shutting down. Then I went to, uh, what's this place called? Uh, Gladiators. And uh, right there is where I actually learned to fight. Like, all technique was just out the window there. You learn to fight. It's because you, you, you know, you got the, the hood rugged people, you know, because like, it was more in the, in, the, in the south side of Dallas type area. And every day it was just hitting bags for like an hour. 
and then spar for another hour. And, you know, the coach was like, you guys are sparring way too hard. You should be getting paid to be doing that. But that was just like, that was just the thing. I learned to fight there. And then uh, I met up uh, at this other gym with another training partner that I used to have. And uh, he started training there. And so I, I was like, I wanted to was my current gym now. I mean, the rest is history. I've been with those guys for eight years. They, uh, I've been competing. I started actually my first fight with those guys. Um, started my nice. fighting career with them. Uh, about 2018, I won. Uh, I won the national Muay Thai heavyweight championship, uh, amateur heavyweight championship. Uh, nice, then man. 2019, which sucks. I lost. I lost it on 2019. On oh. oh man! Oh man! It was, it was horrible. But no, it's part of the game. But however, my, me and my opponent though are cool with each other. I told him I'll see you. I'll see you next time. Next year. COVID happened, so oh, you got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, man. But yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. You know, I got into to fighting because of it, and it's been a wonderful ride. Uh, the the now that I'm fighting heavyweight, it's been easier food wise because I can just get to eat and have fun. But, <laughs> but uh. Yeah, I miss fighting at 185. I already so that's where I'm my where I'm doing that now. It's like getting back down to weight. Yeah. So I'm going from two two seventy five to two hundred pounds, so I can oh, fight wow. at one eighty five. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, man. Wow. So how is get... well? I'm I'm just thinking of the 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 world of fighting and then being cool with your opponent, but yet the world of Facebook. It's no, no, uh, love, no, no respect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's none. And I think it's just, you know, I think cause we're fighting, you get the respect because you actually get to compete. Like, uh, like, you know, we mean you, you know, you know, how football is, you know, people, you know, hit each other hard, trash talk, but at the end of the day, it's respect because you mm-hmm. get to compete and there's just uh, a level of respect because you guys understand each other. And I think online is just because you get people just from different ideas and just egos clashing. Nobody wants to be understanding. Yeah. And nobody teaches anybody composure either. (laughs) Right. So that's one of the things like, that's one of the things when you train, when you train that stuff, that's one of the things that you've got to get, because you can't be angry. You can't be, you've got to be level-headed while you get in your face punch. And it's, it's tough. You know what I'm saying? Like it's tough to keep breathing, you know what I'm saying? Keep breathing and keep your technique and stay relaxed. That's, that's the one thing that I trained for a little bit in MMA. I did traditional martial arts for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. And then moved over to Arlington MMA for uh, uh, when I was 35 because I was trying to I was wanting to do one amateur fight was where I kind of got into it. Uh, but then in the middle of that, uh, I just I realized I didn't want to punch anybody anymore. <laughs> I didn't want to hit anybody. I was you know and and uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, anyway, that was just a side note. Uh, actually, I have a, I have a funny story about that. My very first MMA fight. Uh, it was supposed to be at 185, but then my original opponent backed out. Then mm-hmm. they found me another one, a bigger guy. It was way bigger at 205. And I'm like, okay. Oh, man. You know, I'll fight, you know, I'll fight this guy. He was like walking like a 225. I'm talking about shredded. He looked like, uh, like you know, he, he Black Hercules. That's the way I, I describe yeah. it. Like, yeah, man. He was shredded. And then this dude, you know, you see in the fights, and then they had like a little poll, like, who do you, you know, you could ask people who go win. Mm-hmm. And I literally only had like 12%. People only give me 12% chance of winning that fight. I'm not going to do that in the second round. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Then it was funny because uh, a few years after that, one of my current training partners who was friends with one of that guy's uh, training partners, you know, uh, we were watching, uh, I think it was the Tyrone Woodley. It was one, 
he lost his belt. Yeah, when he fought Kamara Usman, the, when uh, when Tyler mm-hmm. Woodley fought Kamara. No, no. Yeah, it was that fight. We were watching the fight together, and then he tells like, "Yeah, man, after that fight, you made that dude quit fighting. Like he just mm-hmm. stopped training, and he decided this that line wasn't for him because he figured <laughs> he was gonna he was gonna make in there for the money. And it's like I tell people, fighting is fun, but there is no money involved until you make it. You're no. gonna struggle till you make it." You're yeah, gonna be paying. you're gonna be paying. You got you got to have a job yeah. to support your training habit. Yeah, for real. Yeah. That's for real. You can be Black yeah. Hercules, and that don't mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look at uh, this. Uh, I think yeah, this past weekend, Adesanya Lacosta. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. hey man, sometimes it's just, there's levels to this, and look, the living people say there's levels to this. There really is. Yeah. yeah. And That's some people real. think, people think when it comes to fighting, is just you're gonna go out there and, and just swing. You know, it's like it's just like I would tell people, you know, like. You know how people and fighting perfect their art. You know the same thing with comedians. You know, can be like you guys being comics. You like not. You know, like we can all joke around and tell jokes within each other, but it's different to get on stage and and do it and to a crowd. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yep. way different. Mm-hmm. And people think, oh, that guy's funny. I'm pretty funny with my friends. I could be a comedian, but like, nah, man, it takes time. <laughs> it's this different level. It takes a lot of eat. It takes a lot of eating shit, man. <laughs> a lot of hits. <laughs> I mean, that's for real. Uh, uh, you know. I think I, I forgot who was it that said it, uh, but they were talking about it was like how to be a great comedian. It's like you got to bomb a lot. You want to be a great comedian? Yeah. Learn to bomb. Learn so, what doesn't work. Yeah. Learn to survive like, it. You know what I'm saying? Keep getting up. Keep getting up. Yeah, that's for real. I feel. I mean, I'm in the middle of that, right? I'm not. <laughs> uh, that's why. That's why. I, yeah. That's why I love uh, Patrice O'Neill because he describes bombing better. It's like, look, if I'm bombing, I'm taking everybody with me. I'm not trying yeah. to win the crowd back. I'm still gonna take everybody with me. We all going down this ride. Yeah, make the most of it. Get all the learning in right now. Patrice, man. R.I.P. Man. Well, um, so you're a fighter. So, so we talk about, we've been talking about, I don't know if you listened to the show yet, but we've been talking just kind of about what it's like being white, what it's like being black. Um, sometimes what about what it's like being Christian, non-Christian, straight, all the, all the kind of categories that we are part of, right? What are, what are some of those categories that you consider yourself? In? What do you kind of, well, well, obviously, you know, part of the Latino Hispanic community, mm-hmm. um, I will consider myself Christian. Uh, straight, you know, I will say when it comes to my politics, uh, I will say I'm, I'm, I'm really more towards in the middle, but I'm a little bit right leaning mm-hmm. uh, on certain, just on certain topics. Because uh, yeah. I just think just some things just get so out of hand. And I think, you know, it's like it's good to maintain good balance and just have open minded on both sides. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's this podcast, Absolutely. right? Just trying yeah. to stay balanced because <laughs> it's important. You know, yeah. um, I think uh, one thing that me and Richard are super curious about is I know that in the black community, especially during the current era of uh, woke politics and things like that, there are lines that you have to follow, right? There's things, rules that you have to kind of abide by. And so I'm curious in the Latino community, are there, are there um, things that you have to do or things that you should, you're supposed to do. And if you're out of line there, your almost ethnicity gets questioned. Uh, I would say with me, I, I would say my ethnicity has been questioned you know, since oh man, I want to say since like high school, especially wow. just because I, oh, wow. I think it's just mainly because you know I, I play football and who I hung out with. Uh, mm. I mean, I, I, like you know, it's like you remember Chris. Uh, 
all the Hispanic kids, you know, especially in high school, like all the the cool thugs wannabes, you know, like yeah. going out in a hall, they did all the <laughs> stupid things. You know, it's like with me, I was like, man, I'm scared of my dad. I'm not about to get whooped. I'm not about to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna be on my sports and my schooling. That's that's good. I'm good. And you know, and, and you know, because of that, you know, it's like I just hung out around a lot of black and and a lot of white people. So people mm-hmm. were just like, it's like, why do you listen to a lot of rock? Why do you listen to hip hop? How come you don't listen to Latino music? I'm like, no, I love Latino music, but I don't need to sit and listen to it every day just because I'm Latino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like I think. Because, you know, I actually do come from a third world country. I, I was actually born in Honduras. And uh, okay. it's like, and like, you know, it's like my first year that they like diversity, you know, because over there, like you see a white person over there, it's like, whoa, a white person, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, in Honduras, when you saw black people, you only mainly saw them either like they, they were athletes, played soccer, or you saw mainly some in the beaches because most of them just lived in the coastal areas. Mm. You didn't really see them more on the inland, you know. So it's just like when I came here, you know, it's like, I see Asians, I see every, every race and culture. And I was just like, cool. Like, this is cool. This is new. Like, you know, so it's like, for me, it was, it was eye opening. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, I really hate that people go make America be like so much so race. No, no, wrong. There is racism. It exists. Uh, yeah. But I hate that people just automatically jump to like race, this race, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, when, like, you know, I come from a country where, you know, it's like, you don't get the diversity and you see the diversity here. And as, as to me, it's amazing that, like, because, you know, you see all the, like, around the world, conflicts based on race. Yeah. And, like, you see in America, like, obviously, because like, what currently how it's going on has gone, gone so, so crazy. But I love in America, even though we have, even on both sides, like, I will say on both sides, either, like, either you left or right, both sides, there's diversity on both sides. And I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. So do you find yourself like, do you find in the Latin community, do you uh, find different levels of that stuff? Like being from Honduras? Cause some people that I've talked to you, talked to before, like, Oh, well people from Colombia are whatever this or people from you know, like there's different, you know, like maybe just cult, like a country based, like discrimination, not discrimination, but just like stereotyping the same kind of stuff. I'm just curious. Well, I mean, the, the, the <laughs> one thing that gets thrown at me uh, currently, but it's more like mainly with friends, it's more like a joke. Yeah. It's mm. always the caravan stuff. The, the, the caravans. Uh, uh, yeah. That came from Honduras. Oh, so okay. it's like, uh, we'll go somewhere and one of my buddies will be like, yeah, it's my friend. He's actually from Honduras. He got here on the caravan not long ago. <laughs> <laughs> so like, like, you know, with me, the things like that, like, obviously, you know, it's like, um, I would say my fighting comes to like the composure of like, like, you know, it's like, I know also cause being a friend, but if so, a stranger said it, I will find it funny. I would just laugh it off. Yeah. Like, I get punched in the face and I don't get mad. Why should I get mad with somebody talking? <laughs> talking trash or just talking That's a good point. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm curious cause I mean, as a comedian, I've spent so much time laughing at everything, even if it is painful, right? That's part of the art. But, um, I have also ran into people telling me that what I, am laughing at shouldn't be laughed at. And so uh, I'm curious, is it the fact that you're a fighter and you know there are um, heavier things in life or is it the relationship you have with the person or is it just your sense of humor that you don't, you're not disturbed by these things or what is it that guides you through that? I think it will be just a mixture of everything. 
mainly I would say, uh, you know, because I've been through a hard life, you know, it's like uh, people don't understand. And you like, this will be news to you, like, you know, uh, growing up, you know, it's like, you know, Danny, Danny used to bully me all the time. You, uh, know like, mm-hmm. you know my cousin Danny. Yeah. Like he used to bully me all the time, like to make me tough. But I was like, but like I did learn to be tough, you know. And on besides that, you know, uh, my my actual father died when I was when I was six. Wow. Uh, my mom had to give me up to my grandpa because she couldn't she couldn't support me. Wow. Uh, so that was also that was my dad's dying request. Like, hey, you go you go do your schooling because my parents had me at once at seventeen. They had me fairly young. Mm-hmm. Um, so let my dad take care of him. My dad, my grandpa, you know, he had money. So he put me through a private school in Honduras. Then fast forward six years later, I'm now I'm in the U S he, you know, gets him, you know, my green card gets me here to the U S and everything. So it's just like, you know, it's like, I've, I've learned the separation of my mother. I didn't grow up with my mom. I ended up growing with my uncle who pretty much more than anything has earned the title of calling me father. And, uh, wow. You know, growing up, even through childhood, man, I was, I was like, not just by my cousin Danny, but, uh, even through, uh, no, I want to say Danny is physically abusive, but, uh, you know, just got bullied by him, you know, it's just like child, childhood bullying. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but growing up, you know, I was always to be physically abused by my grandpa only because his youngest daughter being my aunt didn't like me because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, now I was the youngest one. And, you know, and she, he was, she was the only daughter. And because I was a firstborn grandson, jealousy. Yeah. And she always be some sort of excuse. And, you know, I was just to get beat. Like, I, it's not like get whooped, it's to get beat. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's like, so when I, I look at things that I'm just like, I don't really get affected by it. I'm like, I've been through harder. So mm-hmm. it's just like, let me laugh at it. And that's why I developed my dark sense of humor. And I'm just like, if somebody, like, you know, for somebody calls, calls me a spick or a beaner, I'm like, yeah. Okay, and your point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what? What can you do about it? Like, there's nothing you can do. You yeah. Know? So it's like, so it's just like, it is what it is. I'm like, you're not hurting me. You're not touching me. I've been through it. Uh, so it's just like, I just learn to deal with these things and just sort like, no, I'm wrong. I'm not gonna let somebody full outright disrespect me. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's a difference between you can. I think you being comedians will understand. Like, there's. A difference between somebody being funny about it and somebody is trying to be disrespectful about it. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference, mm-hmm. for sure. And I'm curious. So I'm thinking of, of you know my upbringing, especially in America, where I do feel like the 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 black story is is in the the history books, and the the demonization is also textual. Like it's it's like you learn it in the schools. Um, so I'm trying to think back of where do I learn to be offended? Like, like who is the one that is introducing that to me? Um, is it my parents? And I, I, I can't even think once of a time where my parents were like, you, someone says this to you, that's not okay. Like that. They were never that they were like, handle your shit, stand up for yourself and move on. Um, but, but it's so evident now, especially I see it, you know, on TV, people are ordering you to know what's offensive. Like this is offensive. This is a line. Don't cross this line. And so I'm just thinking, I I personally don't know if it was like friends or TV or who said like, if a white dude calls you the N word, you have to fight them. Like that's kind of the message that is in the black community is you have to go to war at this moment. No question. And I'm curious if the, the, 
Is there anything like that in the Latino community, or did I you? Mean, obviously, honestly, there was, there was, especially you know, with the the whole ICE situation and things like that. You know, it's like, like I tell people, it's just look, man, I am, I am Latino. Like I am, I am Latino. You know, but I am in this country. I love this country. You know, it's like you guys, you guys love this country. You know, for what it is. And when you know, when you love something, you're gonna take it for the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not saying America is perfect in every in every standpoint. But I will say it's way better than what I'm from, originally from. Yeah. Um, oh, well. And I just think, I think, you know, it's like, maybe, I don't, I don't know, you know, it's like, but I just think people are just sometimes, they've had it so good. They, uh, You know, it's like, everybody can relate through pain with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people just want to relate to somebody so painful. They just, they look at, they're looking, like, people are, I've seen it so many times that people are actively looking to be butthurt, to get angry at things. Yeah. You know, it's just like, Sometimes I understand. I was like, hey, man, sometimes it's necessary to speak up. But sometimes it's just like, just let it go. Like, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, it's like, if a loser is saying something, why pay attention to it? Just ignore him. Like, <laughs> it is what it is. Like, there's no, there's no need to waste your breath. Like, you know, if you've done it, like, for example, Chris, you know, I've seen you've done it plenty of times when, you know, when I, I may post something online and somebody may come and, and you're having a conversation with me and somebody tells you something and you just tell the person, oh, well, I don't care. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> you know and they disappear from the conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, I think that's what we, uh, and also it's because of the internet, for some reason, like it used to be, uh, you know, cause we, we all grew up in a time was like, even if you text before social media was like a really huge impact. We were like in the beginnings of social media impact. Yeah. Uh, were, when we used to talk trash to each other, it was face to face. Yeah. And oh, usually, sure. usually, usually got to the point where it got physical. And now <laughs> it's just like, we can talk trash online. Nobody can get physical now. So it's just like, we forgot how to, what a punch feels like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it gives, 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 I will say this social media has given the people the, just the audacity to say whatever they want without any repercussions. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's both sides. It's some people are being more outlandish with what they're saying, and other people are being more sensitive, maybe for a reason to connect with people. I never even thought of it that way. It's like, if, if, because to be honest, I mean, America is a good country. Therefore, we are privileged, right? If we, yes, there might be white privilege, black privilege, but American privilege is real. <laughs> and yeah. because of that, we all, don't feel levels and depths that some other people have dealt with or experienced kind of like you're saying. And so if that's the truth and we're looking for ways to connect, I never thought of it like that. Like, yo, this is a pain that we all share and that unites us because we all do want to be connected in some kind of way. So that's deep. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, like, not, you know, like, like, um, I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot your name. I'm really horrible. It's okay, man. Richie. It's Richie, man. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like you know, how would you feel about it, Richie? Like you know, like what would you? What would you? Would be, I would like to. See, I would like to get your idea of it. Of of what? Sorry. Of uh, how you know? How, what do you feel like people are are looking to get offended or e- easily offended? Now? Oh, oh, yeah. That's that's interesting, man. I, I mean, I think from my this, I can just pull from my re- most recent experience. The times when I have been defend, uh, offended have been the times that I've been the most scared and the most like afraid of what's happening and like sad. So, so say, say for instance, we can back up to, to George Floyd or, or, you know, when that happened, um, something happened to me too. Like in that, like I just, something happened. I don't know what it was. 
And I immediately started calling out white people on white bullshit, which I think is a real thing. <laughs> white nonsense. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, y'all would agree, but if not, that's fine. Um, but I was just, I was, I was getting offended because I, I had no place to put where all these emotions were. So sad, heartbroken, vulnerable, afraid. Um, and then, and then the more that I hear and I started to listen to like, um, voices that were different than mine and they were saying things, you know, 60 years ago or 70 years ago that they're still saying now. And, um, it just became, it became like, maybe I can do something about it. If I, if I call people out or if I go after someone, um, then I can somehow make it better in some way. And that yeah. it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't, unfortunately, like, I think like flat out racism, like, Hey, you know, if they called you some kind of, you know, racial slur or something like that, and we're hanging out, I, you know, call that out or, or, you know I mean? Like at work or something, if somebody, you notice that they don't invite you, but they invite all the white people, like I would bring that up, you know I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, why are yeah. we not inviting Eris? Like, what's the deal? Um, you know, uh, which I've been in those situations and I've been and, and call those out, uh, but to be a, like, to be that, that idea of being offended, like that's where it was for me, at least the most recently, for sure. Yeah. No, that's, that's like, with me, it's like, um, like I, the way I've seen it, like, you know, it's just like, it's okay to be offended. Like I, 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 my, my biggest problem is like, I used to be when you were get, get offended, you was like, just walk away from the situation and you just wouldn't tolerate it. Like, I'm like, Hey man, I'm not going to let you sit here and talk bad about me and offend me. So I'm just going to walk away from you and not even deal with you. Yeah, and yeah. I was getting to the point. It's like, oh, I'm offended. Therefore, we have to cancel this person. Or we Action. have to like, mm-hmm. like you know, it's just like. But mm-hmm. see, I, I believe in calling people out. You know, yeah. call people out and let it be known. I have no problem with that. But then just move on. Like, mm-hmm. this some call out. It's like, and then you got to still keep poking the bear. And I think because you know, it's just like it gets to the point where it's just gets so annoying now. Like, especially with now, it's like you literally got to be careful about everything you say. Yeah. Because like, like uh, mm-hmm. for example. Uh, I know I've seen it, especially uh, in the video game community. I've seen it big time. Like now, it's just like you have a character. Like for example, uh, uh, they're talking about the the character Quiet from uh, Metal Gear Solid. Uh, Metal Gear Solid. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. she's a super soldier. She literally beats the crap out of every every guy in the in that game, right? And then, but she's just quiet because, like, literally, when they were doing experiments, her they, they ripped out her tongue. And now mm. it's just gotten so crazy that they're going, they're going, uh, well, that's the ideal character of a woman. It's like, like that's what, that's what <clears> they <throat> want. They're on a, under, under fantasy. I'm like, nobody, no guy actually looks at it. Everybody looks at it. I was like, yes, she's a nice looking girl. Like the character, like the character. So she's good looking. And she was ass. like, that's a really cool character, especially with the feminist. I'm like, that's a good character. They should be pushing towards. Like she beats every guy, you know, it's just, she's just a mute. That's so they find the one thing. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, dude, and I think like, you know, I see it with characters like that, and then I think it's just I see it all over the place now. Like everybody's always looking at like you could literally like for example, any movement that's out there, people will just nitpick at that one bad thing, mm-hmm. and criticize the whole movement for it, and they're like, no, the whole movement is this, the whole movement is that. But without actually giving me, okay, well, how about you give me these little things that you may not like about the movement? Now, this one little thing, therefore, the whole movement for me but they're not going to look at the good things that it may bring yeah yeah like for example like like 
you know, like, like for example, with Chris, like he knows I'm not a, I'm not a big supporter of the black, black lives matter movement. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm not a big supporter of it because of their manifesto. Uh, I don't, I'm not, uh, I really don't feel like, especially the, anti-american anti-family yeah uh, anti-family especially that that affects the both the latino and the black community big time yeah you know we're, uh, we're like 60 over like over 60 percent of the latino uh, latino community that are are being the children are being born under wedlock and for the black community it's like a 70 77 percent i think I'm, yeah I'm not, I'm not correct uh so it's like that affects us big time so i think, I think that movement should should not stand for that but do i say do they bring up voices to them to the movement of saying if there is police brutality out there you know yeah. hey guys there's being voice i agree with that i'm like you know I, even with the, the whole george floyd thing you know when that happened i was like yes if if we're talking about a police reform this should be why i think the whole country wasn't agreeing into that until the riots started happening i think the, i think the riots just kind of t- destroyed the momentum that it could have been i, I was yeah. hoping I was hoping it was going to unite the country a little bit more, but the riots just kind of put a damper into that. And it's just, and it made people even like the racial tensions, you got bigger because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I think that's why like, I, I actually, I kind of like this. We're actually sitting down and talking about it and just sort of just yeah. griping at each other and, and saying, <laughs> no, you're, you're racist. Therefore I'm not going to listen to you. Well, it's really interesting, <laughs> I man. I was going to say, it's really interesting. Like, you know, you, you know, seeing the, the protests and the riots and stuff, and and you're sharing your experience of like oh we're divided we're divided and divided where i see those and i and i feel connected because there's people in the street that are thinking and feeling the way that i do that are just as mad as i am about what's happening so that's really really interesting because that's that's looking at the same thing and having two completely different experiences and just viewpoints on what's going on and i don't i don't think that we allow for that right there's not a in the current <laughs> current dialogue. One of us has to be right. So why can't we, you know, it's gotta be me or whatever, you know, and we all say that. So we're, you know, how can we ever be right? You know, if we're all right, you know, whatever. And I, I, I feel like saying. BLM, well, I mean, one, we all know we were all sidelined. The whole country sidelined at one time. Uh, yeah. It's going to be more uh, passionate for lack of a better word. Um, the, the riots are so interesting because they were so multifaceted too with the, the Antifa provocateurs, the, um, un, the, not what's the word that we were just using the offended black people who don't feel like they have another answer than to riot. Right. You know, the young kids, probably young men typically, cause that's what men do is we are a little more, um, radical at young ages. There's probably young men who are just looking for a time to goof off. So you have all these different levels. It's not all Black Lives Matter, but Black Lives Matter ends up taking the umbrella of what's happening in the riot. And what was hard for me was, as a person who feels like there is no answer, mm. the riots make perfect sense. It's like, man, if if I was young, had nothing to lose. I mean, I got plenty to lose, so I can't be out there doing none of that. Um, but... <laughs> If I if I'm young, have nothing to lose, and don't know of a better way, I get the riot. So I I don't. Uh, some people say you're condoning it. No, I'm not saying I condone it. I say I totally understand where these people are coming from. At the same time, I get why it looks like we are therefore more divided because, and this is what we talk about a lot on the show, uh, Eris is I believe there's the capitalists 
the um, individualists and the the true Americans who really understand what this country is about, right? Like you have an opportunity to grow and become anything you want to be if you play by America's rules, essentially. But at the same time, if I don't understand those rules, I'm losing, right? Imagine getting into a fight and you don't know the rules of the fight. There's no way you can win that fight. And so um, it, it does come down to like, the black communities disconnect with America. Like we, I feel like a lot of it is anti-America in a way because we've been told that we don't get to play by the rules anyways. Like we're just forced out of it. And, and that might not entirely be true, but that is the narrative that we believe that is that, or that a lot of us believe not everyone, obviously. But, um, and so, so these black lives matter riots just feel or not riots, but the movement feels like our best chance. Like everyone's finally paying attention. We, um, the riots, good or bad, have gotten more attention. And it's just an opportunity to have conversations that weren't, that we felt like weren't being have, weren't being having, weren't being had <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? I, I, I totally, like, I, I understand where you're coming from. And, like, and, like, and this is my problem. It's just like, I, I didn't have a problem with the, with the, I will never have anybody with protesting, even with, with, with Colin Kaepernick, I, I didn't have a problem him protesting, yeah. but to me it was like the problem, like how he was protesting, especially when he first came out. What he, what he first, once he corrected his statement, I was like, all right, cool, I have no problem with that. Mm. Um, you know, because once he, to me, it's just like at the end of the day, we're all Americans. Like you know, like we're all Americans, so we all want to live in this country. We all, you know, we all want to find peace amongst each other. We should be trying to ban under the same banner, which is the, the American flag, and that was my problem with. With originally with, with his first statements at first it was like you're you're destroying the flag so scott look at the the civil rights movement right like with Martin Luther king and everything they were looking at the flag and they're going we as black people we're supposed to stand with that banner but we're not being treated the same mm-hmm. yeah so we're calling you guys out for not treating us the same as everybody else which i totally understood you know but they didn't they didn't uh there wasn't a disrespect for the flag i think but but again it's just like I think it all comes down to a lot of it is just comes down to a lot of like people are not not wanting to respect one another. People now just want to like 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 you were saying like, if I'm not right then you're not going to be right. Like, you know it's like if you disagree with me, yeah. I'm going to disagree with you and I don't care and we're, we're not going to try to look at the common ground. Yeah. I think uh, and when you can't find common ground with people it's going to be a hard, uh, just very hard to like to get points across. Yeah. Especially when you're calling people by names and things. It's like because the moment that happens, you can't really be like, well, I'm, to me personally, when somebody, when somebody starts insulting me, I'm like, I just stop the conversation. There's no longer, no need to put my energy on there because I'm like, we're not going to find common ground. Yeah. We're not going to, I'm not going to be able to see it through your eyes, through your perspective, because you already insulted me. And therefore my, my anger now is like, you know, my attention has gotten to a point. Like, I don't want to listen to you. Yeah. And that goes back to what you said about the. <laughs> real adult and human way of being offended in real life, like face to face is you've offended me. This isn't going any further. I'm not giving you the time of day. I'm gonna walk away. Right. That makes sense. It's just no one practices that anymore where you just stop it. It's just over. So we assume if I keep offending you, I've proven my point. So like, I don't know how that become the answer, but that's literally what happens. Well, everybody, I think also everybody's looking for backpacks now. Everybody like, for example, if I say something, you know, like if I say something and and it's gonna put you down, or like I'm looking for those likes now, especially with social oh, media. Yeah, someone else co-signing. So 
yeah it's like like nobody's uh it's gotten to the point where nobody can speak out like uh for example with uh when the the 2016 election right when trump was running the whole thing about the mexicans like you know like the whole thing said about mexicans mm-hmm. at first when i first heard the clip you know I, and i heard it from uh from telemundo because right, my dad was i just happened to catch it because my dad was watching oh, wow. it yeah and uh and i just heard the catch and i'm just like I, got, I heard i'm like wow that pisses me off you know mm-hmm. i was really <laughs> mad about it but then you know but then, then i was like i was like i was like literally i was just like you know excuse my language here but i was literally like man fuck trump like, I was like at first i was just like man, fuck him. I'm yeah. like anything. and then uh then actually you know what really turned me into him and started liking him more it was just i started looking at the media and it's just like how biased the media was on everything and yeah. that's why i started and actually you know i really don't look at uh I will hardly say that I look at uh, any like big, big network uh, for for news anymore. I look at more independent like uh, mm-hmm. YouTubers and stuff like that, because uh, you know it's like they tend to get their facts more right and they're just pointing things out. And uh, you know, I I look at from both sides. You know, I love looking at the the Ruben report. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's you know he's 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 very centrist, centrist, uh, yeah. centrist person. Yeah, I like looking at him. You know, you no, know, of course, you know, lateral crater. You know, when when I want to have a little bit more fun with it. Uh, <laughs> I don't listen to, uh, you know, people will think that I listen to a lot of Ben Shapiro, but I really, I don't, I do, but I don't. Sometimes I know it's just, it sounds too robotic sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, it's just like, that's so why I stay away from them. But, you know, it's like, I want to be able to get the news from everybody and not just one source. And I, that's what makes it easier for me to, to be more open about it. Or someone's even call out the BS on, on the right side when I see it. Yeah. You know, but people like, I literally get attacked a lot. I've been called, which is dumb. I don't see why people will call me that. I had a white lady call me an Uncle Tom because I, <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't agree with Tom. I'm just like, I'm like, wow. how can you call me an Uncle Tom? Like, like you know, it's like, hey, like, no, that's good. Just, that's yeah. that's open. <laughs> like I, told I, her, I told her, I understand what you're going from, but wrong insult. <laughs> hey, I respect that, man. If anyone can be Uncle Tom, this is that's America. I like. <laughs> <laughs> equal opportunity huh equal opportunity racism that's, that's i'm cool with that you know then i told her man you know if you're gonna give me a black insult you know at least you know insult my credit <laughs> well no, so honestly we, what we've talked about is um i i really believe the uncle tom and the the sambo and all the the black slurs are really demonizing a non-white person adopting american culture i that's the that's the definition i've come up with because mm-hmm. what i see is that that's the only difference right it's an ideology it's not a it's not a person uh it can manifest into an action i guess but it's really you're conservative you believe in the american ideals and if you do that and you're not white there aren't any other names other than uncle tom and it was uh, intended initially for black people um but now they you know can use it on anyone that is not white but speaking white and honestly Ares, before or early when we were probably conversing online during the george floyd stuff and black lives matter i mean i was the furthest from uncle tom possible right um yeah. and uh, i was freedom fighting and speaking out but do through conversation with you and other people online and listening to Jordan Peterson and this podcast completely talking to Richie, I've started to understand stuff that I did not know before. Like I literally had no understanding of it prior and in doing so it has changed some of my speech, right? I've started speaking a little bit more 
from the American mm-hmm. point of view. And I get called to Uncle Tom. I get called uh, Candace Owens. I got called Candace Owens the other day. <laughs> and it's like, wow, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting caught this. This yeah. blows my mind. And, and all it was was a subtle switch into that American ideal and then in adopting the American dream. And boom, yeah. now I'm that's, Uncle Tom. That's, that's the thing. It's like, it's like, you know, it's just like I tell people, like, everybody, especially, like, you know, the Hispanic community, I don't care what anybody says, but the Hispanic community, they come here because they, they, in those countries, you're sold the American dream. Whether you come here legally or illegally, you get sold on that. That's mm-hmm. just the honest truth. And, and so it's like, you know, we're so privileged that we are, whether you believe it or not, or you see it for yourself, we're better off in those countries. You could be living here poor. Like I would rather be poor in the U.S. than poor than poor somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like I would rather be ten times be poor here than poor poor in uh in Honduras. I'll tell you, this is, the life will be way different. However, though, like you know, it's like I tell people, it's like in the U.S. That's why I will agree with like more of my conservative views. Like if you're poor in the U.S., it's because your fault. And I think also because because of my sports, just things that uh, I've dealt with. I'm like. And, and it's like when fighting, when I lose, I can like if I don't make weight, I can't blame my coaches. They they have they gave me the recipe, they gave me my meal plans, they give me my time frame, how much weight I gotta lose, like you know, but how much weight. So if I'm not at that point or that weight, you know, it's like that's on me. I was like, hey man, you didn't diet right, because the diet would have kept you at this, and hmm. they know that, and like my coaches know. Yeah. But you know, it's like and, and I can't like you know, it's like I remember uh, on my. On my last fight that I fought at 185, I had a hard time making 185. I really did. And my coach was like, because I was super dehydrated. And he was just like, you're having a hard time with his weight. So what you do? Yeah. He was just calling me. I was like, what you do? And I was just like, nothing, man. I, you know, I, I drink I drink my still water like I'm supposed to. I'm like, no, what you do? Don't BS me. Mm. And I was just like, then I'm like, man, I'm not going to lie, dude. I had me some fries. <laughs> you know, it was everything. And then them fries, it messed up my weight cut and, and it made it, it made me way more harder and it actually made it harder on my fight. Yeah. You know, I won the fight, luckily, but it made it harder. And I was just like, and that's why I look at also with football, you know, it's like when, like, you know, when me and you, Chris, especially, you know, like that last year that, that you played, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like, it was a rough year. Like it really was a rough year for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we can sit here and, and blame the the playbook, blame the coaches, but I'm like, at the end of the day, we have to take responsibility for ourselves. Like, uh, I don't even remember the, what's the story. Uh, what's it when, uh, it was Coach Whitson when he got mad at, at Ty, because mm-hmm. I called that Ty. It's like, you know, it's like, I have my sophomores calling out my seniors. Yeah. You know, it's just like, and it's just like, because Ty was like, well, here we go again. And he's already kind of blaming the system blaming how do you call the system and i was just like no trust the system there's a reason it was in there but because you're not willing to put the work in the system the system's not going to work yeah you know because because if you look at it, the very next year we're now in playoff contention yeah and so it's just like you you have to trust the system i, I think some people uh don't want to trust the uh, you know the american system for, for example the american dream and therefore they're just looking at things to blame because we all have the right to equal opportunity, but we don't have the right to outcome. Yeah. And, and, and so on the show, right. We all have different opinions and I agree with a lot of what you're saying because I'm, I am consuming the American dream a lot lately. Um, but I'm, I'm just torn. Okay. So let's use Ty as an example. So for, for our listeners, uh, Richardson high school during the so we were, we had a couple of good seasons. So 
from 2007 to nine, I think we were in the transition of, of coaching systems. Right. Mm. And so yeah. the system prior to, uh, when Eris was a sophomore. Uh, so the, prior to that, we were a very, we were a losing franchise for lack of a better word. And the system was broken. We weren't successful. Um, yeah. I had a coach. So my sophomore year, I had a coach just tell me point, point blank. I'm leaving. Good luck next year. It's <laughs> like, wait, coach, where are you going? He's like, y'all ain't winning for a while. I can tell where this is going. <laughs> I, I promise you, it's Coach Mac. That's a Texas football coach right there, man. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I, I was a pretty good athlete, and and so I That's was, uh, you know, young on the team. And so he was the coach I looked up to, and he just dipped. He was like, this wow. this program is is not going to make it, and you don't have the option to just move like that. So he was gone. Uh, so this was my sophomore year, a few years before Eris got there. So the system that Ty was raised in was broken, right? The system that we were playing in was broken. And so the new system coming in was rejected based on past memories, right? What, what yeah. Ty was experiencing was him taking, he took for granted this new reality that we were in, but he, I, like, I almost feel like it was justified because what we had was so bad. And so you have people living in America in turmoil, in pain, in poverty. And it's if they don't know that there's a, a system out there, right, that if they don't know that there's been enough change for them to overcome it. I mean, because I promise you, Eric, I had no clue about the America. I mean, I knew the, the TV shows and the movies and I like, yeah, I get it. But it all felt like a myth. Right. It, it almost felt like how probably atheists feel about religion. It's like. Mm -hmm. It's bullshit. And so mm. I don't know how you overcome that knowledge without, without, I, I mean, just luck or uh, I, I really don't, or coming from worse situations. I really think that, you know, immigrants in this country typically crush it. I don't want to make a broad statement, but just if you look at the black community, black immigrants killing us, like just dominating, right? And yeah. so it, it, it's that paradigm shift that they have, that they came in with the American dream. They already bought into the system and then they start profiting from the system. And I think a lot of people who are born into the system and they might have experienced the pedophile um, religious leader who says, you know what? I, I don't believe in religion anymore. Or they're in a uh, poverty situation and they see capitalism making their mom work for nickels and dimes. And they're like, I can't believe in capitalism anymore. And they they become anti because their first education they got is just so wrong. And I can't fault them for that because education isn't it's not easy to come by. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. I, and I, I I would say I totally agree. I understand the sense you're coming from. But this this is what I, I would say to kind of kind of like, you know, kind of related back to sports a little bit with fighting. Fighting is the most out of all the sports that I played, I would say fighting is the most negative. Uh, you get told what to eat, what to do, you know, and, and I literally, I'll have my coach, she'll call me like at, at midnight, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, it's my coach. I got to answer it. Maybe, you know, something she just talked to me about. And she was like, why are you awake? It's like, you're supposed to be asleep. You're supposed to be resting. Like, you know, it's like, so wow. it's just, oh, I'm getting to it out, you know? So it's just like, but it's just one of those things. It's just like, like, for example, with me, you know, I, before the gym that I'm on right now, I bounce to different gyms. 
You know, it's like uh, two different other gyms, and uh, you know, because those systems and those gyms weren't working. Yeah, I was looking for 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 new new opportunities, new different ways. I think because in America we're so, I would say we're coddled. A lot of us are coddled here, and you know, it's like we we want. We want we we have, we all sold we are all sold in the American dream. We want to have the lifestyle to being rich, but nobody take nobody understands that actually to be rich you got to put in the work. Nobody wants to put in the work. They, use, they it, and they say they want to, but they want to do it the easy way. For example, and I've seen it in fighting. People go, "Oh, I want to be a fighter. What does it take to be a fighter?" And I told them, "Well, are you willing to?" to train for six months before you can actually get a fight just just to see if you're good yeah. enough to actually get into fight camp yep. this is before you actually get into fight camp yeah. mm. and then once you get into actual fight camp it's, it's you get treated different and then when i was in fight camp dude this I, the experience that i felt i've never felt before i was getting beat up every day yep. hurting every day and i'm just like this sucks now why and, and, every, and every day i told myself why am i doing this i just want to stop this i want to go mm-hmm. home i want to stay mm-hmm. home tonight and not, not go to the gym but i make myself get up and i was like this sucks but i have to do something different like because i want i want something different like for example me we're fighting i want to give some i want to make it so i can give something back to my family yeah like to my dad especially you know mm-hmm. so it's like you know this man just bought himself a brand new truck you know but like, i want to buy him another one like you know it's just like he doesn't need it i know he doesn't need it but that's something i want to do for him mm-hmm. and i know fighting is my my ticket is my way out you know it's like because of my talent but at the same time i know if i if i squander it i won't do anything with it and i think a lot of us when we live in the u.s we have that opportunity like we have that talent man, man you were born in one of the and in if not the greatest country you know, like I'm gonna be biased on here, but the greatest country in the world. Yeah, you're you're born in the greatest country in the world. Don't squander that. Don't squander that. That's your talent. You were born here. You won the lotto when it comes to the world. Take advantage of it. And I think it's because, like my dad sometimes says, like, man, when I was your age, I had this, I had this. Like you know, it's like he was those things at his age. He he had more more much more than me. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, it's like I get it. And he was like. If I had your opportunities, if I did, if like, if I knew, I know talk English the way you do, I would have so much more opportunities. I'm like, I understand where you're coming from, but I highly doubt that you would, because you would take it for advantage, because it would be like, you would have, you didn't have to work hard for it. It was just given to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like for him, uh, that's why I would say immigrants tend to be, uh, you know, tend to work, kill it, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. It's because they know the alternative. Like, hey man, if I don't succeed here. I get to go back to, <laughs> to my, my to my last situation. Damn, Therefore, yeah. I have to kill it. You know, you, I have to kill it. You know, kind of like uh, like you were saying, like you know, uh, like, you know, when you were growing up, you know, it's like you have to kill it at school. It's like there was no your parents di- didn't give you a choice. Like that's true. Well, I'm, you know, Chris, you could do. Like, you have to kill it, and you're like, I I don't have any other option but to make it. Yeah, I think if more people embrace the pain, embrace the grind, like, you know, like one of my favorite uh, uh, fighters, Daniel Cormier, he says he embraces the grind. Things are going to get hard, but just embrace it. Just don't run away from it. I think people are just looking for the easy way out, things to be given, you know? And it's like, yeah, hey, man, we should also get a break every once in a while. And I think sometimes that does go a long way, but man, you know, nobody's going to give you a break unless you create those opportunities for yourself. Mm, yeah. I understand that. What would you say? So, so I guess it sounds like, it sounds like, uh, hard work and dedication, self-discipline. Those are all really important 
to do really anything great. Mm-hmm. So, is, am I hearing that right? I mean, is that what you, yeah, yeah for sure. So, um, I guess, do you think that those things can overcome, uh, not having access to food, like proper food, for instance, like living in a neighborhood that all I've got around me is convenience stores and fast food, and I don't have a car, there's no grocery store, you know, that kind of thing, or, or those kind of systemic things that we're seeing. And some of the, some of the folks are talking oh, about, like, every time I see the police, they hassle me. Now, I know that's an individual thing, like some person has that problem, but it might be because of the neighbor, neighborhood they're in or the color of their skin or whatever the reason is. Like those those things, do you think the hard work and those kind of things can overcome the larger systemic issues that we're seeing? Mm, let me see. Like, for, I, I, I would, well, yes, like it's a yes and no. Yeah. Uh, it depends on this, I guess. I think it would be more situational. Sure. Because the way I look at it, it's like I've known many people who, like, you know, live on the, have lived in those situations where they yeah. go like, hey, I don't have access to good food. Yeah. But you know what they do is like, they make the the best choices with what they have. So I'm like, okay, man, I don't, like, for example, you know, I wish I had access to like the UFC, you know, how those guys have oh, access to chefs. For sure. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah. I wish I had access to that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I know it's like, hey, I can, I can, I can get me a meal prepper, but then I'm paying about $200 for something That's I right. could do for like, you know, with my work and everything, what I do is like, I could, you know, do a quarter of the budget, 50 bucks. I could have my meals for the week. I make it happen. Yeah. I put that, that step for myself. Yeah. It's like, don't get me wrong. I will like, no more like there's a, there's a good, I would say there's a good government programs that I wish the government would implement more. And he was like, Hey man, like for example, reparations, right? Like I know that's like a, a big issue <laughs> with, with the black community. I would honestly, I would love nothing but reparations for the black community. Oh, I really wow. would, especially because the U S government actually did say it. Yeah. I'm for reparations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, of course, the conservative talking point, and that's where most conservatives get mad at me for it. The conservative talking point is like, well, you know, these these aren't slaves, or who who are we going to say is slaves? I'm like, no, no. They said they were going to give reparations to the black community. I say, go for it. But then I tell the black community this: don't hold your breath. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And don't wait on it. Don't count on it. Um, let me ask you if okay. Um, and uh, two personal questions. So one. Can you tell us how did your family get from Honduras to here? And two, could you imagine a life where you did not make it here? And would and how would you pull yourself out of that with hard work? Can can hard work and determination get you out of Honduras? Uh, okay, uh, so with my family, you know, uh, I will start with my grandpa. So my grandpa, uh, he's the one that pretty much made it happen for me. Mm-hmm. You know, made it happen for us, my family. Um, he was actually a, uh, he became, uh, he was a foster child at the age of eight. I think mm-hmm. he never knew his dad and his mom, his mom died. And it was just, again, he, it was a blessing. He got blessed. Uh, his neighbors, uh, this old, this old couple took care of him, you know, took him in and, uh, he literally told me stories. He was like, yeah, man. It's like, I used to like, you know, go up the mountain, carry, get all this wood. Uh, for these people to make tortillas to sell, and I was like, and they gave me like, they gave me like, you know, uh, essentially the hundred and dollar. They give him like a dollar fifty a day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and it's like, and that's what he would use to for meals and things for himself. And he goes like, and then these old people, you know, t- they took me in, they put me to school. Only he was like, only made it to about the sixth grade. You know, it's just because I, I didn't want, I wanted to school, I wanted to work. It was like, then it's like I became a sailor. You know, it's like he started becoming a sailor. I started traveling the world. 
you know, uh, just shipping sh uh, for shippings and stuff. And then he was like, he started getting, uh, you know, different ideas from around the world. And he was just like, cool. And, you know, it's just what happened when he came to the U.S., like his first time here in the U.S., he saw like all these cars were being loaded up in the in the boat and, he, and they were they were going back to Honduras. And then these cars are like, yes, he asked somebody, it was like, hey, man, you know, what are you guys doing with all these cars? He's like, oh, just, we buy them in the U.S. We, we, we uh, like uh, red, red cars, we buy them in the U.S., bring them back to Honduras and we sell them and we make we make a killing because people will buy them. So he goes like, I'm going to start doing that. Mm -hmm. And he started doing that at first. And then it started, and that was his business. That's why he traveled all the time. Yeah. And uh, he made it, you know, he found a way out for him. Yeah. I think for me, um, uh, I, I wouldn't say my, like, you know, my my studies would have got me out of Honduras. Uh, like, you know, I think it would still be the same. Like, my my physicality, my talents, you know, with, uh, with yeah. sports uh, in that sense would have gotten me out. Uh, so I think I still probably might have fell into the same, the same thing, or maybe not. Because uh, I think my life's changed the day that my that my actual father died. That's when my life changed, because yeah. uh, my father was more about your studies, and he just wanted that for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I, I think, uh, you know, it's like I look back at it now. It's like it's almost like a blessing in disguise because it brought fighting out of me. Like you know, it's like I want to fight. Let's just it just brought like because you know, it's like it brought that pain yeah. to like manifest with fighting. Yeah. So it's just like that's that's my that's my passion. That's my dream, and that's why that's what I love now. You know, it's like. Um, you know, I tell people, it's like, hey, man, uh, my goal is to make the, the U.S. scene for uh, the Olympics from Muay Thai, because especially uh, yeah. that's that's coming up. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I know I'm one of the top five, like amateur fighters when it comes to Muay Thai, heavyweight. I know I'm one of the top guys. I'm, I know I'm not going to fight a heavyweight. I want to drop down to 185. At 185, I'm killing a lot of people. I even train yeah, a lot man. of pros. I, I, I compete with those guys. I have no problem. So I was like, I tell people, like, hey, man, lucky for me. If I don't make it here, I can go to Honduras, still compete for the Olympics. Right? There you I, go. I, have, I have two choices, you know. So, but uh, but again, I think it's just it'll be one of those things that um, it'll be kind of hard to tell. Like maybe because maybe I, you know, I would have been just a small skinny kid from you know from a third world country that because I, I, you know, that didn't didn't want violence, you know. But then again, it's just like. Hey man, the things that happened to me made fighting that much easier for me. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I don't have to think about those things. You know, it's like I've been through worse, so physical pain doesn't really bother me. Mm -hmm. When I've been through the the mental, the mental, uh, the mental, you know, the mental pain. Yeah, as you could say. So it's just like it's not a big bother. Yeah, yeah, no. And I think when we when we talk about the the uplifting oneself. You know, it does come down to education of people around you and not education like as in school, but just like you said, your grandfather got new ideologies from traveling like that. That's huge. And and I look at our experience through these conversations and the ideologies that I'm able to, you know, hold on to, learn from, adapt for myself. I feel like it's been so insurmountable that I feel like my life has changed. Just kind of how you said um yours did when you discovered fighting and so sometimes the pulling yourself up from your bootstraps gets over fantasized when it could just mean get out of your bubble learn something new and then try that you know and just like keep adapting and keep trying new things um and it's also still uh the relay race like i i'm here because my dad was there because my grandfather pulled came out of sharecropping 
And because my grandfather's dad owned a farm in the 1800s, like that makes no sense. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't take credit for where I am in my leg, but because my great grandfather owned his farm in the 1800s as a black man, that that's our family leg up, you know? And, uh, and very few black people at that time were given actual reparations as we know, but, but because of that, that gift keeps given. And so I, I know that we all see, I think that's another thing. Social media has us where we can see the top, right? We see the rich, we see the elite. We believe we all should be there right away, but some of it is a leg and, you know, I'm passing something on to my kids and we just keep moving forward. And so I, I, I feel like our listeners should also know that pulling yourself up from your bootstrap is pulling your child up from where you were, right? It, it doesn't have to be, we all make it to, um, just that rich celebrity lifestyle that I think we all see as you're lazy. If you're not making it to that, I don't know. I, as, as a liberal, we feel some type of way when conservatives are like, you're, you're just lazy and you hadn't pulled your way up. You know, that's, that's how it feels. And so I just wanted to speak to there's other ways. And I, I know conservatives don't necessarily just mean it that way. Right. It, it also means, give a better life to your kids than you had. Yeah, like uh, I would say, like, I would say there are, there, you know, there are lazy people out there. Like, you know, it's like, it's just, you know, like put it the other way, but even like laziness aside, you know, it's like the way, I think it's just human nature for us to want better than what, you know, like for example, my dad, you know, my dad is, has a great, you know, but I know at my age, uh, you know, when, when I'm his age, I would like to be at a better state of life where he's at. Yeah. You know, like, uh, like somebody tells me, it's like, like, I actually hear this from family a lot. I was like, Hey, well, you don't have kids. You know, I was like, uh, you know, your parents had you when you were young, you know, you're, you know, cause in Honduras, I would be considered old, you know, I'm almost 30. I'm 29. Yeah. You know, I was like 29 in the U S is nothing but over <laughs> there. You, you're almost viewed as a middle-aged man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I get told all the time, how come you don't have kids? You know, it's like, you should be married, but not have kids. And all this, I'm like, like, like I'm not married, you know, cause I'm still want to pursue certain things for myself and I don't want to have kids because I look at my situation. Uh, I was born out of wedlock. My parents separated all these things happened. I don't want my kids to go through something similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I want, I would like to at least for my kids to be way better off than what I had. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure my dad would like for me to be, that's what he grabs at me all the time. You know, it's like, you know, it's a grown man. He still grabs at me because he would like, you know, like he wants better for me. At, you know, when I'm his age, you know, like constantly, yeah. I think and I'm the same way when I have my kid, I'm going to be the same way, you know, whenever I have a ton of daughter, I'm going to still grab them. You know, I don't care how old they get I'm like, cause I still want them to be better than me by the time they're my age, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you sound like a, a liberal Honduran. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's that's what it sounds like to me <laughs> in america you're conservative but in honduras man you're you're wilding <laughs> well I, I you know it's like it's um you know this is you know it's true man, but i tell people it's like you know what in america you know it's like i tell people this that's this how great america is right like for example it's like we go anywhere out in the world just because you're American. You're almost Vita Superman. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but, you know, you come to when you come to the U.S., you're Clark Kent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just... that's crazy. Because in uh, where is he from? Where is Superman from? Um, on his planet, he has no powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. That's so true, though. <laughs> wow. You know, if, if he would land in Russia, he wouldn't be a Superman. Nah. (laughs) 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 too true too true well Eris this has been good um just we we want to have diverse voices you know me and and Richie are pretty left-leaning and so we definitely wanted to invite um more right-leaning people to the show and if we have anyone listening who's right-leaning we were so respectful to Eris we didn't bully him we yeah. didn't beat them up. Nah. We know y'all want safe spaces too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, we, we want to just be able to have open dialogue. And that's what this podcast is about. Imperfect Allies is just humans being humans, talking to each other and understanding we're from different walks of life. And so we hope that you've enjoyed this conversation as much as we have. Um, we oh, want- I definitely, definitely did. And, and we want you back. I, I mean, I, I think if we could... Um, have more conversations like this. This would be phenomenal. If you know any conservatives who are open, we would love to have them on and learn their life story and find, figure out how they got their worldview as well. And for our listeners out there, please keep listening, uh, share the podcast, talk to us, reach out to us. Allies Imperfect on Twitter, Imperfect Allies on Facebook. We love having these conversations. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, please do that as well. I'm Chris. I'm Richie. We'll keep talking to you. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. More here. Yeah. That's right. Thanks, y'all. Much All right, y'all. Peace. Hey, guys, we're back. We just want to talk about that conversation a little bit. Uh, I, I really enjoyed talking with Eris. And one of the things that, you know, kind of popped up in my head as we're talking is uh, seeing him face to face, you know, it changes one, it changes kind of how you just, how, what you say and how you respond. So there's a Mm -hmm. level of respect there. I know he's in Dallas and I, you know, but I, it just, that, that changed it for me a little bit. Like, you know, I disagree with a lot of, um, some of the, or some of the things he was saying, you know, and at the same time, I wanted to give him really understand what he was talking about, you know, trying to get where he's coming from. Cause we were seeing like, you know, Chris, when we were talking about the protests and the riots and I, and I was going back and forth like, well, do I call them protests because that's the left way to call them or I call them riots because that's the conservative oh. way, you know, like, <laughs> you know, so I was going through my head. But at the same time, yeah. as we were talking about that, he saw division where I see unity. And yeah. that was really interesting to me, you know? Yeah. And that's that is the human thing that we see things different. And it's so hard yeah. to know that because we are experiencing our own life. And then we start talking to people who saw exactly what we saw. And, um, and so when he sees the division and, and I I hate that, uh, and we can bring Eris back and talk about these things, but I, I, I know Eris. And so when he was saying riots, he meant the riots. He did not mean the protesting. And so when he saw division, it's because he only sees the riots, right? Because mm-hmm. for a moment he mentions, no, I'm with protests and I'm with the protests. It's just right. when the riots happen, right? And right. so in his mind, they're separate things, but one stands out more. And I bet with you and me, I know for sure, yeah, yeah. they're separate things, but well, I see the protests. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And the riots are a, a symptom of this of the systemic stuff versus people just acting wild and out or whatever, being crazy. Yeah, you know, there's a reason to it, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, I just thought that was really, really interesting, man. Um, that kind of, and I, and I hope that our audience hears that. Like, th- what what things are people talking about that you're like they're crazy, they're not, they're they're full of it. But if 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 they're coming from the perspective of, and and Eris was, I think, I think he pretty much solidified that the idea that like 
if you work hard, it really doesn't matter what system is in front of you. As long as you keep your head down and you keep, keep, you know, keep on your grind, you're going to get it. You know, whatever don't get that caught is. Up. Yeah. Don't get caught up. And, and, and I, and I, and I hear that. Cause I, th- I, I think I, I believe that, or at least I, I live my life that way. Right. Yeah. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it, whatever that looks like, I'm going to make it. And then I made it in some ways. And as I got, as I got those things that I thought I wanted, I didn't want them anymore. And like things change, but I'm, I, I continue to go after that thing that I, that I think I want. Um, at the same time, I think from sitting in my left, left-hand chair over here, <laughs> I, I, I hear when people talk like that, I hear you're dismissing the systemic problems. And I, I think the opposite is true as well, right? What you're not talking about, you know, they hear dismissing of hard work or hard, you know, or Eris might've heard like, Hey, there's systemic problems. He agreed like, yeah, there are, but <laughs> yeah, this is more powerful. These are more, I am individually more powerful than the system that I'm in. Yeah. And I don't think that's everybody's experience. And, and, uh, but it's I, just I, interesting. I, I, I think we both do the same thing. Just like you said, the, but we flip it. We just completely flip it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, yes, I can overcome my situation, but there's so much systemic oppression out there that we need to focus on it. And so it's, it's ironic that we actually can admit each other's existence are real. What we're fighting over is who's is more right, (laughs) which is the problem. They're both equally existing. And yeah. we need to address them both together. And that's what I love having these conversations. And I'm glad that you added seeing the person. Cause I mean, one is COVID, right? I haven't seen Eris yeah. in <laughs> months. Um, yeah. And two, we're high school friends. So in theory, in the last 10 years, I've only seen him two or three times, right? Mm. Having this intimate conversation face to face because of the technology was amazing. It's so much better than what we've been doing on Facebook. Yeah, and he just said the, the same thing. This is a real social media right here, man. This is what oh. we're doing it. This is real yes. social media. So don't this is how do be. Ass bullshit Facebook stuff. That I mean, watered down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Follow us join us likes. here. <laughs> but join us here, uh, man. I need, this is where it is. I need y'all's uh I need y'all to say that we're doing a good job by hitting that like button, uh smashing the <laughs> subscribe notification bell (laughs) but that's still a watered down version you could get the most real authentic thing here or through patreon yeah yeah, that's that's legit (laughs) patreon's gonna blow up y'all y'all watch y'all be part of that be part of that do we need a a fans only account maybe i mean yeah we've got we've got y'all set up where we can have we're gonna do you know if you join us on patreon we'll do live q a's with y'all we'll talk with y'all face to face um you know we've got monthly candid conversations where you hear chris and i get real I mean, it's legit, man. It's, it's, this is, this is good stuff and the kind of conversations that we have to have. So I appreciate you giving us the, letting us do a double outro, <laughs> but I just want to jump in there and talk about that right quick, because I think it's important, you know, uh, you know, listeners, what are y'all seeing? What are, what are, what are the people that you disagree with? Do you know why they think that the way they think, do you know their history? Do you know, you know, I mean, Eris shared some personal deep, painful stuff with us which I, did I was not know about super appreciative i mean he just i did not know that i mean that's a lot of that stuff and and i i feel like i feel like i could have a conversation with him over and over again even though i absolutely disagree with him on some of the things because i i i respect you know his vulnerability and openness like that i mean that's true power and true strength and that's what every fighter knows man they know that yeah so 
um again i just want to say thanks to eris thanks to y'all our listeners we, we love y'all uh, you know reach out let's keep it going thanks so much for sure thank y'all and um if you if you want to get on the eris train before he becomes a, a world famous fighter uh eris olympia yeah eris alvarado uh look him up reach out to him he's a great guy and uh he can fight let me let me just say <laughs> and his brother or i mean his cousin who who used to bully him he could fight so so eric's been doing it a long time <laughs> that boy prepared i'm just letting y'all know so <laughs> all right all right take care y'all peace Really rhythm up. This is like a 